comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man who is uh, having some side effects for his booster shot. It's Logan Stump. Uh, my side effects uh, are a plenty today, but I'm sure we'll get into that later on. I don't know what that means, but... I'm just going to be, uh, I guess. It's... Which one? A, a, a plenty or side effect? Which word don't you understand? Um, I don't understand a plenty very well. It means. Uh, <laughs> it means uh, a plenty, duh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the official definition? In abundance. Do you need yeah. an abundance? Do you need abundance broken down? Can you, can you, can I have the origin of that word, please? Yes, from uh, England. England? <laughs> Is it really? I have no idea. I'm well, thinking it's it... English, right? I, I'm thinking it has to be. Well, yeah, Jordan, but everything comes from Latin. Not everything does. Everything. Name one language that. Okay, never mind. Don't like name. Don't. Never mind. That's a that's a bad idea. Let's not do that. Welcome to Uh-oh. Stateside Soccer Show. Oh, look it up. We have an abundance of news to talk about. <laughs> it's a plenty. Oh, you know what? It is from mid-century, mid-14th century French. Uh, and it comes from the Latin word abundantia. All right. I like that version better. I think we should we should start using that word. I have an abundantia, about. Of, abundantia news. of news uh, and stuff to throw at you. Butchering way. the way to say it, too. But oh well. I'm sure that the, the, the Montreal fans can correct us if we're. That's true. Butchering it. That's true. They could. Uh, but yeah, so we have an abundance of stuff to talk about here today. So we're going to get into it here. Um, we have. Uh, the the Revs NYCFC game to talk about, which was an instant classic. We have uh, Philly versus NYCFC, which was not an instant classic. And we have Portland versus to talk about as well. And preview MLS Cup, which is this Saturday at 3 p.m. on ABC. Um, hopefully they have, I don't know, higher quality camera for MLS Cup. That's something we might touch on as well here. Our sources um, can confirm that that was an iPhone 6 that was being used. <laughs> uh, my sources confirm that uh, Bob Chapek is cheap. Um, 
probably part of the reason behind it. Uh, but anyway, we are getting into let's start with the let's start with some news before we get into the game. So we have American coach Jesse Marsh out at RB Leipzig after four months in charge. Uh, you know, a, a multitude of reasons about this. Nagelsmann had kind of taken the club away from the Red Bull system that they were usually using, that Jesse was using at Salzburg, and that they try to use at all their clubs, the one he ran in New York and all that kind of stuff. He kind of led them down a different path. The players want to continue playing down that path, Jesse trying to revert them back to the Red Bull mentality, uh, loss of some players, uh, some COVID issues near the end there. I think Jesse was in isolation for the last two weeks also. He didn't even get a chance to coach those last few games. And, you know, with a squad that should still be probably higher than eighth and it ends up where he's going to get let go after four months. Um, harsh on him a little bit, but also he needed to adjust. I th- this is what we kind of always talk about, right, is that I understand when managers have a system, but if that system doesn't fit the players you have, you you got to make an adjustment. And I think that's something Jesse didn't really do. For all the people that say, okay, fire Greg Berhalter and let's get Jesse Marsh in for 2022, uh, to me that doesn't really make any sense. Greg Berhalter has won two trophies this summer. We're in a good spot for qualifying. We just beat Mexico at home. I, you know, and Jesse just didn't do the job he was supposed to do in Germany. So I, I feel like it'd be like rewarding a failure, kind of like a Chris Armist to Manchester United. Or if you're, you know, Luchi Gonzalez and you're, uh, I don't know. It, it, it seems, it seems like we're in this state of like, you know, some coaches are, put carousel. higher up on the pedestal yeah but like on a pair like it's a carousel of higher pedestals it's it's almost a matter of like okay you're at a top league or if you're not doing well initially i mean if you look at jesse marsh's uh record at uh leipzig eight uh wins four draws and nine losses 157 days in charge at salzburg jordan he was 64 uh 13 draws and 17 losses, which is phenomenal for that league. And, and I, I think that, again, it's just almost like the Americans still have kind of that American tag next to him. And people look at it and go, well, he is an American coach. So if he can't you know, perform well, he's never going to be able to perform well. And it was a shell of a team that they gave him. But if you if you fail, you go up. If you are successful, then you drop tremendously. Um, and now I've been hearing, you know, Jesse Marsh being linked to like the LA team um, here in LAFC, and I and I think he's not coming back. He's not. No, back. and that's why I keep. I mean, it's funny when people keep tweeting that. I'm like, there's no way. Uh, there, there's no way that he takes that step back over to the United States because if he comes back over here, he's not going back. Right. And also, apparently, he's linked to another position to sit with Chris Armas and Ralph Ragnick at Manchester United. So he might also become an assistant there. I know a lot of Manchester United fans were happy he got fired because they wanted him as an assistant and then take over the role, which I thought was funny. Uh, like, take over uh, for Ragnick afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I so- threw that out there. 
Okay, so if you go back and listen to Stoppage Time Soccer Show, you can guys can go back there and laugh at me all you want. <laughs> but if that becomes a thing, could you imagine if you got fired from uh, RB Leipzig and you were now handed the job of Manchester United and he could be the guy that would bring him back to glory? It would just be like the best thing for a U.S. men's national team program and, and U.S. I mean academy and soccer program over here. It would just benefit us all so i'm okay with it if he wants it to would come. but i don't think he would ever actually get time over there uh you know th- they gave the most <laughs> time that they could to ole and i think after that they're like okay no more time for anybody is what i feel like at this point i've heard Ole's interested in the lafc job my my sources can't confirm that but i'm gonna throw that out there could you imagine no he would get eaten alive in la <laughs> yeah i think so too but we'll see. I mean, look, he was in eighth place. I think he could probably do a mid-table Bundesliga team, really work his way back up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do think maybe it was a little too early for him to go to a club such big. And apparently, according to he even said after, like, match week seven, I think, that he went to the board and they he said, I may not be the right fit for this team. And he said it again around week 10 or 11. So um, he got fired match week four, 14. So, you know, I think he kind of knew it wasn't working. I think the players didn't want to go back to an older system. They were happy with the way they were playing before. Um, and just no, you know, adjustment. And, you know, that's what happens. Uh, let's talk this new ball. Ball me, Blazer. I'm going to share the screen here for the viewers, but if you're listening, we're going to try our best to describe what this ball looks like. Um, <clears throat> there it is. It's got like a flower design to it. Oh, I should I should have knew you were going to like this thing because you like that Paisley Manchester City. <laughs> Do you know what the flowers <laughs> represent, Jordan? Uh, no, I didn't read any sort of explanation. If you they like have me an to explanation. fill you in? Yes. Okay. Please. Incorporating – this is from MLS.com, and, and I just heard the Extra Time guys talk about it. Weeby's a big fan, and I'm usually – I saw. Weeby. Yeah, I saw. Um, so incorporating the national flowers of the United States, which is the rose. I had no idea it was the rose. Um, and Canada, the Bunchberry, as well as colors representing the other homelands of MLS players. The new official match ball is a symbol of the league's extraordinary diversity – 860 players of MLS hailing from 79 different countries and highlights a sense of unity belonging within the soccer communities and the globe. It's now available for purchase at adidas.com, soccer.com, and your Dick's Sporting Goods locations. So if you want that ball. And then, Jordan, you can you can have your say about it because I know we're on different sides of this one, so this will be kind of a good one for the listeners, I guess. What don't you like about it? The flowers, the weird pattern of like a hashtag symbol. I don't even know what that is. It looks weird. Is part it? of it's white, part of it's color. Um, just give me a regular ball. I mean, how hard is it? All right, so my argument is you're not going to be able to see it on TV, right? You can barely see what the ball is now. I don't think anybody so, knows what it is now. So that's part of the argument against it no. right now. It's pointless. You're not going to be able to tell the I difference guess. between this and uh, you know last year's ball while it's just rolling on the grass, especially with ESPN's cameras. So (laughs) to me, I'm like, what's the point? You know, I I get they're trying to be like weird and like sell, uh, sell a ball or whatever, but 
God, if this is what Adidas comes out with for like the World Cup next year, I'm going to lose it. Okay, so Adidas I agree with. I don't usually agree with Adidas and the way that they've designed things. I will say one thing, Jordan. I, I do hope it's not an indication for kits because I, I, too many of these kits with flowers on them, I'm not sure it's going to go well. Um, so I, I am hoping they stay away from giving the uh, Paisley stuff for the kits. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. As far as, like, the ball's concerned, I like it. I think that it's great to recognize diversity in the game and the community. And, I, honestly, what other way could you really do it to make it, you know, I mean, I guess you could make something where you make a flag or something that symbolizes it and have it fly in MLS stadiums. But I, I don't. It, it is a good – it's a symbolic gesture. It's a nice gesture to the 860 players in this league. And we keep growing. Um, with, I mean, as far as countries we've added, uh, I think we're going to eventually get up to 80, 90, um, which will be even more impressive as time goes on. But I like it. I think it's pretty. I think it's really cool. I do think it's weird that we are the rose for the, the national flower. Like, I can't even think of where the roses are grown that this would be like. I mean, if I'm thinking United States, for some reason, I think sunflowers, but not necessarily roses. I don't know. I mean, we... we... You know, um, never mind. the extra time guys, though, did say that it was clearly an indication and a sign that because this is going to be used in the final uh, coming up. Oh, great. That this is like a sign that Portland's going to win it. Is <laughs> that Rose City? Yeah. I mean, definitely. OK, then we're definitely not seeing it on Saturday because that game is on ABC. <laughs> So we're not seeing this thing clear. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, I don't look. I'm gonna buy you the damn ball, Jordan. <laughs> I'll keep it then. I, I mean, uh, that would be the ball I use outside all the time. But you know, when it comes to it, I think a lot of times with this stuff and crests and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. When they come out with something, they say. Okay, now what can we make this symbolize? I don't think they're sitting there like we want unity, so let's get some flowers. Like I, I think I think they make it and they're like, well, this could be the unity of uh, what's our flower, Rose? Oh yeah, yeah, this one. That's definitely uh, the unity of the clubs and how many we have. Like I feel like I don't think it starts off that way. I guess you could have you could have like had like a fusion of the flags would be more of. Uh... I guess a symbolic. I got a really good design idea. Are you ready? Hold on. You just keep talking while I look for it. Okay. Okay. Um, No, but I I don't know. Like, I think when you're looking at ball, it's all, it's all relative just because I I think that, you know, it is uh, a symbolic thing in the game. It's obviously the, the ball they're using to play the game, but it's also symbolic because no matter where you go in the United States in the world, the ball is always the same. So, you know, kind of sprinkling in a little bit of diversity. Because if you look at, I guarantee if you look at the last couple of soccer balls in in the league, I mean, they just look kind of bland. Um, I would say that they've got like some kind of traditional color scheme that they go with. So like I'm looking at the 2021 ball um, and it's kind of like orange, blue. It's got like the United States flag and it's got the Canadian flag in it. So it's kind of got that same idea. It seems like whenever you have these match balls that they, they have the, symbolic nature of like we have canadian teams we have you know u.s teams so let's kind of try to bring in certain aspects of that i'm, I'm waiting for next year for like 
the the national dish for each country so it's you know like a pizza ball or something i don't know what it'll be but uh, it just seems like it's very generic when they stick away from this because i've seen a lot of mls balls my neighbor was always a fan of mls um and he actually he was a union fan jordan um growing up and he's the neighbor me no it wasn't you but um but he did grow up and we had like the, they had the MLS ball. And I think it was back when it was like the black and white, like normal soccer ball that you would normally see. And it was MLS. And I always thought it was weird that the, the ball was black and white, but. All right. So um, I got some design ideas. Are you ready? Yeah. Design idea. Number one. <laughs> People listening, of which... It's just the black and white panel ball. Just a regular soccer ball. How about that? Design number two. This 2010 Jubilani MLS ball yeah. is beautiful, by the way. They used the Jubilani in the 2010 South Africa World Cup. MLS had it with blue and green because that's what the logo used to have. Now it would be mm-hmm. like red and white, I guess. Um, but yeah, just something simple like that. I don't need roses. I don't need the next side dish of each state. I don't need each state's favorite candy bar. You know, like, I just want uh, just something I'm going to kick around. Hey, a poutine soccer ball would be pretty interesting. I mean, you're not skyline throw down some skyline chili soccer. That's it, Jordan. You're brilliant. We could come up with like when you're playing in away cities, you have to play with like their dish. So it's like you know, in Philly, you got to play with the cheesesteak ball. Oh my! Uh, Orlando, I don't even know. I think it'd be like a Mickey pretzel or a churro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, what does Orlando have that's not Disney related? I was gonna say. I mean, we got a lot of Brazilian restaurants because of the flair that we have here. Um, so I guess it'd be a Brazilian dish, but I don't know. If only I, Maryland had a team that would be crab cake. The crabs, crab cake ball or a crab ball. That'd be you nice. wouldn't want the crabs on on the ball. It's a PG show, Logan. All right, we're moving on. I'm just saying. Like, okay. Moving on from this, we're going to the MLS Next uh, unveiling. MLS Next Pro. Uh, this is just an awful name for a league. I'm sorry. Did I you see it. the logos? Yeah. Yeah, can't even read it. <laughs> It's like uh, I read somewhere. Somebody tweeted it was like somebody had somebody had given like the third grader the font book, and he was going through it just deciding which one looked best. Especially, there's like uh, there are um, there was a graphic somebody shared online where it was like there are three different way three different fonts yes. for the number two in this graphic. <laughs> it's like a normal two. Then there's like a slanted two. Then there's this weird it slants two the other way. Have. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So MLS next is what the academies are right now. MLS next pro is the professional league that is going to have pretty much the teams that were in USL, but you know, the, U, the, the two teams and, um, one professional team in Rochester owned by Jamie Vardy, you know, that's one independent team there. Um, so let's, let's list the teams here. Okay. Chicago. Cincinnati, Colorado, Columbus, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, Miami, Minnesota, New England, New York City, Orlando, Philadelphia, Portland, Salt Lake, San Jose, Seattle, St. Louis, Toronto, Vancouver, and Rochester, New York. That's the Rochester Rhinos that Vardy made boring by just calling it Rochester, New York City FC or whatever he did. Um, 24 leagues 
uh, four, 24 league games per club. Eight teams will make a playoff. Adidas will serve as the first corporate sponsor. Uh, they'll have Charles Outcheck Alt- as president of the league. I'm not really familiar with him. Ali Curtis, who left Toronto, by the way, is becoming the senior vice president of the competition. Um, so that's interesting. But uh, league starts March 2022. And joining in 2023, we're getting eight more MLS-affiliated teams. Atlanta, Austin, Charlotte, D.C., L.A., LAFC, Nashville, and New York Red Bulls. I'm actually surprised the Red Bulls are taking so long to get over because they usually have a really good academy. Um, When it comes to what I think is the best part about this, starting in 2022... What name sticks out to you, Logan, as having a team in MLS Next Pro for 2022? Uh, I mean, initially, FC Dallas comes to mind, um, only because they're 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 known for having uh, quite the academy. So, I mean, I feel like that's definitely a team that that you got to watch as far as the team coming through. Um, I don't know. That, that's the one that initially caught my. Is that the one you're thinking of? No, no. The one I'm thinking about is a team that hasn't even played an MLS game. St. Louis, St. Louis yeah, that would, yeah. Uh, they're not coming in until what? 2023, 2024. Yeah, 2023, I believe. Yeah, because next year Charlotte, so 2023. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have a nice head start, and St. Louis is a hotbed for soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, they already have an academy, I think, too, right now. So th- they're going to be setting themselves up. I, if I'm looking at it, I'm looking at how St. Louis is coming into MLS, and mm-hmm. I say stacked. they're coming in the right way. Yeah. Start getting those youth products because by the time that they even see the field in two years or a year and a half, they'll be able to probably have some youth players on the team or at least be really starting to see them through within the next year or two after they join. And – um you know, kind of get a head start with it. And having these players, these youth players there, is playing against youth players in other MLS teams before teams that are in MLS already are getting mm-hmm. in there. That's what I find so interesting about it. And what I really like about them doing it, they're joining before DC, Austin, Atlanta, both LA teams, Nashville, and Red Bulls. Yeah. That one shocked me. I mean, it it, it does. It seemed, I saw a lot of uh, st- opinions going around on Twitter that said that the teams that are missing out on this initial uh, couple of years, might it might put them behind the eight ball for a while uh, just because they're not developing the talent that you need. Because I think the LA teams and the Atlanta team think that they can just build base off of their DP and their young status and they can go in and buy these guys because they're a big market. However, if you're looking at these teams, I mean, the Jordan, it goes all the way down to 13U. So you can, like, if you go on MLS's website right now, you can follow the 13U standings. You can see their schedules. You can go see games they are going to play at some of the stadiums. Um, I know with Orlando, they use ESPN, and they'll use um, the Osceola, uh, like, fairgrounds um, down here by us. So it, it, they'll, they'll use these different – and I've got kids that will go to my school that – no kids that go on the academy teams and we've had kids tried out for the academy teams for Orlando city. So it'll be, I don't know. It's interesting. It, it, and I like, if you go through and read the article, there's one called uh, MLS next fest, which is like this new festival that's coming up. I guess it's on, I want to say it's already started maybe, or maybe it's, 
Hold on. It says, I was reading that earlier and then I lost it. Yeah. Um, Friday, December 3rd through December 7th, Tuesday, there's an event that's going on that will feature over 300 of the top youth uh, teams across the United States and Canada. So, you know, they've got a lot of youth academy players out there. It's going to build a game from the ground up, I think, around here, which is huge. I mean, it's going to be a moneymaker for a lot of these clubs because they'll just they'll transfer out the youth, but uh, some of it, like Dallas does, but it'll also make the league better, I think, and our U.S. men's national team better. Exactly. This is all good for, for that. And I what I like about it, too, is getting these teams out of USL. Yeah. In the sense of, here's how the dream scenario works for me, okay? And I'm not sure if this is how it's going to go. But you have them starting the academies. They go to MLS Next Pro. And then, of course, most people say, as it looks on the chart, you go to MLS. But what if we still loan out players that have done better in MLS Next Pro, but they're not ready for MLS yet? And you loan them to USL. You know, um, the union loaned out Cole Turner, um, who's from Harford County, same as me, uh, in Maryland. And he, you know, went to, I forget what team it was. He went somewhere over in USL. And I'm not sure if he even really played that much. But, you know, just something different. Because my main worry about them leaving the USL is the fact of, are these players going to be ready for MLS by only playing against other like other prospects. When you look at it like baseball, when they're in AAA, they're also playing against people that have gone to the majors and have come back or people that have been to the majors for a while but now are starting to slow down and can't make it anymore. You know, like when um you know, Felix Hernandez was having minor league deals after he was an ace pitcher for the Mariners they're still facing good stuff, but they're not just facing prospects that have no control. And that's what I worry about. If we go to MLS next, if all they do is do prospects versus prospects, they may not be able to like hit the speed when they actually see like a quote unquote 99 mile an hour fastball. You know, when they go up there and they get burnt by like a, uh, like a Tejan Buchanan and they're like, Whoa, I wasn't expecting this, you know, on my first day. Um, that's where so if it'd be nice if they go MLS next, MLS next pro, strong people maybe go over to USL and get some um like a, a year loan and then they say, you know what, you're, we're ready to bring you into the to the main club now. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting too to see what it does to the collegiate level. Um, because something like this has always been an issue with the collegiate level uh, sports and the athletics and and college. I think college soccer, men's college soccer is one of the worst as far as uh, money that it revenue, you know, revenue that brings in, and also just kind of the broadcast deals that it has. It's usually just on ESPN Plus or one of the ACC network or NCs, you know, the, some of the NCAA networks that they have uh, across the globe. But I, I think it it will be interesting because it, it 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 seems like it's headed in the right direction as far as like quite possibly the United States is building. I wouldn't say like a tier system like it is in. Uh, England, just because I don't think that'll ever work here, but I do think that it's starting to get closer to something like that, where you're having these feeder teams kind of feed into these bigger clubs that mm-hmm. are going to, you know, make them better. It makes our talent better. It, it will, I think, it'll infuse money into it too. When you've got these teams attached to it, I think that's what USL struggled with was 
financially, they just couldn't become stable enough to keep their feet on the ground. Whereas now they're tied to these big MLS clubs and these big MLS clubs have, you know, some of them have billion dollar owners, <laughs> million dollar owners that uh, USL owners only dream of. So it, it is, it's a, it's a big step forward, I think, as far as getting this on the ground. And now it'll be interesting to see who gets the broadcast rights to it. I don't think it'll be big broadcast rights. I, think no, I don't think so. Like a YouTube or ESPN yeah, Plus maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I also would like to not have, and this is probably asking too much here, I would like for them not to all be named blank club number two. Union two. Union two. Union used to be called Bethlehem Steel. That was fun. Um, FC Dallas two. Seattle Sounders too. Like I, I want some creativity. Imagine if all the minor league teams were for baseball were like Orioles one, Orioles two, Orioles three. You yeah. know, like for the or just Orioles A, Orioles double A. You know, like at mm-hmm. least come up with something that maybe fits the theme. Like if it's Union, maybe there is, uh, I don't know where they somehow tie in Philly, uh, like. Sons of Liberty or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, Sons of, <laughs> kind of fun, whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, something like where uh, yeah. you you have... The Orlando uh, Cubs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Orlando Simbas or something. Yeah. You know, like something <laughs> where it, it adds um, something to it. Like the way that Orlando Pride for the NWSL fits in with the Lion theme. Like, I, I want mm-hmm. stuff more like that than just Union 2. Yeah. It's so boring. The what makes you want... Because what makes you want to go see a Union 2 game if you're a casual fan? You're like, well, they're not as good as Union 1, right? Right. So why would I go see it? But if it's named something else, you're like, oh, okay. It's like their minor league team, whatever. Like, I don't know. You might be able to get more people that buy into the brand and start wearing the hats or the clothing Mm -hmm. of like, oh, that Union MLS Next Pro Team crest is awesome. It's not that awesome when it's just a snake with a 2 next to it instead. You know, like – that can help. I mean, I see people wearing minor league baseball stuff because they have silly brands, you know, yeah. like the Montgomery biscuits and, you know, like stuff that gets people talking or gets people like, Oh, that's a cool logo. Let me wear that. Then just, Oh, it's our same logo with the two in the background. So that's my hope for it. Um, you know, especially when we have, uh, they also said more independent teams will be coming in 2023 as well. So, We'll see how that goes. All right. You ready to get into the actual games? Oh, there were games. Okay. Yeah, let's get into those. <laughs> so New England <laughs> versus NYCFC. Buxa scored. Uh, well, no. First, it was Rodriguez scoring three minutes in for NYCFC. And Buxa equalizing in the ninth minute. And that game got off to a hot start. And it about stayed that way until... <laughs> we went extra time and Castellano scored in the 109th minute before getting himself a second yellow and getting thrown off the pitch in the 113th and then Tejon Buchanan equalizing in the 118th and going to penalties with NYCFC triumphing uh, over New England Revolution. Now you told me this was your favorite game to watch as a yeah. casual for MLS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in, in jumping into it full-fledged this year as the first time around, um, 
getting to see uh, MLS Cup and what it's all about. I think that this one was like the epitome of what MLS was. It's like MLS after dark meant the, a beautiful game of soccer. And it was, it was, it was really nice to watch. I, I thought it had everything. I thought that New England, you know, they, they looked rusty at first, but as the game kind of settled in, they did start to kind of look like their, their old selves as they did in the regular season. There were times where I guess chances that they created, they couldn't put them home. The last like 10 minutes after Castellanos gets sent off was like, the most heart-wrenching and I wasn't even a fan of either of the teams I mean it was so hard to like why I was nervous and I didn't know what I was nervous for I mean I didn't know what I was expecting I think I was expecting uh, a New England win uh, at that point after they scored again I was like they could win this game very well uh, and, and kind of set themselves up to go forward at the momentum that they had there were moments where I thought that New York were going to pull ahead even more but then kind of got you know stymied a little bit on, uh, in the attack and then when Castiano sent off it, it just didn't seem like it was likely that they win and then all of a sudden it goes to PKs and then I thought uh, as far as PKs were concerned I actually felt more confident for NYCFC for some reason even though they didn't have Castellanos I, 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 I don't know it just felt like something was in the water that we have been all over about Matt Turner being the best goalkeeper in MLS it, it, but he was rusty there hasn't been you know, that, that opportunity to stand in goal and, and really create chances for yourself because New York City really had a hard time putting shots on, on goals. So Turner's just kind of sitting back there. It's cold out. It's, you know, it, it's not the best of conditions. Um, and then you go up against Sean Johnson, who's uh, arguably one of the best keepers in MLS as well. So it, it, it was, it had like the perfect setup for everything. It had PKs. Uh, Tajon Buchanan, I thought, played extremely well. Um, and then go figure, he scores as he's marching his way out of New England and on to better things. But it, it just had everything to me. Bruce Arena looked absolutely furious, as Bruce often does. You know, he shows a lot of emotion on the sideline. Um, very Bill Belichick-esque as he's just very uh, disgruntled as he's walking off the pitch uh, for the final time in a season that was historic for the Revs and now becomes even more historic for the, for the Pigeons, man. It was great. It was like the beautiful storyline that I wanted and it was everything every Union fan wanted to host the next game, to have Castellanos out. And you're thinking, Union have a chance to do this. But then the COVID outbreak happens. But before we get there, Portland yeah. beat uh, RSL. Not much to really talk about there, I don't think. I mean, RSL just didn't really look um, up to it. I did want to say one thing. Portland... Portland seems to just find ways, and I know the extra guys, extra time guys were talking about it, so I wanted to get your thoughts on it because you hadn't listened to that episode yet. But they were talking about the fact that there's a reason why Seattle and Portland, I think it was seven out of the last eight MLS Cup finals, have included a team from the Cascadia. Um, and, it, and I think it, it speaks volumes to their ownership and their ability to build teams because there are teams around there that have the resources that they have. They just don't build it correctly. So trying to find the blueprint that Seattle and Portland can have a really kind of just tough year where they finish first or you know fifth and they still make this huge run in the playoffs um, or whatever it might be. You know, they've got these different circumstances where they just make runs. Um, it, it's, it's amazing to think that we here we are sitting here on the final day getting ready to happen in MLS and Portland sitting there. Pretty much the favorites to win MLS Cup. Yeah, it, it's um, – I'm not surprised with Portland. Yeah. Honestly, we had them 
you know, I just showed this on the screen. We had them as the number one team on both of our predictions with supporter shield winners. That part didn't farther than the supporter shield winner. They're in MLS cup final. <laughs> like we, like I, I posted on Twitter after the game. And like you said, the last seven Western conference finals winners have been a team that is at, from Cascadia. And that's not including Vancouver. So it's really just <laughs> Seattle and Portland carrying this weight of it being like Seattle, Portland. So it was like Seattle, Seattle, Portland. No, it's Portland, Seattle, Seattle, Portland, Seattle, Seattle, Portland. Okay. I just did wait it. till Vancouver gets their name in the <laughs> next year. Next year, Vancouver joins the. So we have to know when we're making our predictions. Okay, is it going to be Seattle or Portland that get to the final this year? Write that down. Write that down. Um, and it really is just dominance. And when you don't even look at it like that, okay, when you don't even look at it like that, and you look at those seven, but then you look at MLS's back final, and you have Portland in that, and they win there as well. And it's just the dominance of those two teams and when you look at when seattle first entered the league and they won like four straight u.s open cups like what those two teams have done for this league and bringing in players back like clint dempsey oba femi martins um bringing in a nicholas ladero or a diego chara uh you know um valeri like these players come to mls in those two teams and they seem to stay a while and they seem to, especially Portland, Portland's been able to keep that squad together for a while. We've talked about it in the preseason. Is this the last year that they can kind of do it with this squad? And the answer from Sam was yes. And we now know Diego Valeri, this is his last ride. Are they going to have that moment where he gets to lift a second MLS cup and a third trophy overall? If you include that MLS is back and, you know, Giovanni uh, Savarisi, who has made cup finals at, like, every job he's been at. New York Cosmos, he was always in the final. Here, he's been getting the finals. Um, you know, they lost the, the the one against Atlanta in 2018. They win the MLS's back last year, and now they're in a final here. Caleb Porter won the MLS Cup in 2015. It's, you know, this, this just trajectory that I think that they're on that I think – is something to admire is just if I'm a team entering the league, I'm looking at how Seattle and Portland have built their team. If I have money, if I don't have money, I'm looking at how Philly built their team. because They don't have any That's money yeah. and they might lose their coach because of the no money, because he's probably going to get offered a boatload from Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and he's friends with Albright, you know, so I, there, there is a chance that that happens still. Um, and Portland did this without Eric Williamson for pretty much the whole season. And uh, you, you had Valeri, who was Blanco's mostly non-existent. Stop, and right? Blanco might not play an MLS Cup final, depending on how the hamstring does. So, I mean, it, just everything about this team, man. The, the park they play in, the city they built, the fan base they built, in a league that was just... Without them in Seattle, we don't have an MLS, I don't think. Like, I don't think, I think without their, have it. Like, it, it, it would, would just not, not be as entertaining, I don't think. It, and I don't think it would have grown as much as it has. Those two right. teams have really put the put it on the map in the Northwest. And the good thing is, 
those teams already existed. They were teams that were in other leagues. They had been around since the 70s. They have this rivalry since the 70s. It's something that has grown organically. It wasn't like a forced rivalry that MLS tries to force when they do like, oh, Columbus is rivals with Chicago. No, not really. Um, you know, it, it's an organic rivalry because the clubs have so much history in Vancouver as well. You know, that whole Cascadia Cup has been around since the 70s. And those teams are not afraid of their names, right? We haven't had a Montreal change like Montreal. Montreal Impact have been around a while. For some reason, they're ashamed of their name. Seattle and Portland and, Van- and to a lesser extent, Vancouver know that it doesn't, the name doesn't really matter. They can become a global brand by just being good. And that's what those two teams have done. You have Timber Joey, you know, I, that that's probably the best thing about Portland hosting this game. And that thank God it is not at New York Yankee yes, Stadium. Amen to that. Yeah. Thank God. I know people wanted it for the chaos, but I want to be able to watch an entertaining, fun MLS Cup. I do not want to be like on this weird camera angle looking at where third base is while we're trying to watch a soccer game. <laughs> it's a drive deep down. Castellanos with the drive yes. in the left field. And I'm really sorry for having to play this game in a baseball stadium, but it's just not a choice that we can really make. I'm sorry, my cats are back here fighting. Um, they don't like the baseball field either. But uh, <laughs> no, Jordan, so here's a fun fact. Eight and two home teams uh, in the last 10 MLS Cup finals. Jordan, do you know the only two teams to win on the road in MLS, speaking of the Cascadian teams? Uh, yeah, hit. well, Portland <laughs> won in uh, in Columbus um, in 2015. And in 2016, uh, Seattle won in Toronto without is. having a shot on goal. Yeah, Stefan Fry standing on his head to like 16 shots and like yeah. having to uh, uh, get them to penalties and you know Seattle winning on penalties. Um, yeah, no, I knew that without you having to even give me the hint. So thank you, Jordan. I think you and I should fly out to the MLS. What is Saturday? Let's do it. Yeah. We're Saturday. both vaccinated. You know what? I just won the lottery. I think I can. <laughs> Flights are cheap, right? They're like five hundred dollars to the. To the oh, I'm gonna check. Oh, they're they're at least five hundred. I think somebody said it was six hundred from DC, so I can't imagine it's any better for you. Now I think that was Cheyenne over at Between Clean Sheets uh, that does the DC stuff. She said that it was like six hundred bucks to fly over there. Not to mention how much the tickets would be at Providence. Oh yeah, yeah, they're probably already sold out. Bonkers! I want to check that actually. <laughs> I don't know when they went on sale, but they're probably sold out. I think they went on sale today. All right, for one way, I can get to Portland on for one ninety eight dollars. But that's Southwest want to get away deal, I think. So it may not be the best. Uh, may not have the time that I need it. If I was to do this, and it's like one something. Okay. Uh, if you if there are any Portland fans out there that are listening to this on December seventh, Tuesday, uh, your tickets go on sale over there for Providence Park at three p.m. Pacific time, six p.m. Eastern time, Jordan. So if you want to get get some tickets to go over, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. It is it's about two hundred thirty two dollars for BWI to Portland. That's not bad trip. at all. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't know what that airline is, though, so I'm a little worried about that. What is but, it again? Yeah. What's the airline? I don't know. 
I don't know what the airline is. It looks like an F, like a green F. Oh, Frontier. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, that's a good, that's a decent. I mean, it's, is it's, it? the, it's the economy flight, but yeah, they're, they're better than Spirit Airlines. So, oh, okay. okay, I can, Jordan, I can meet you out there for 175. Not bad. Let's, Let's go. Uh, okay. Uh, live show at the there. Um, right. But yeah, so Portland. I'll tell you, I'll be wearing my Portland kit on Saturday. Yeah. So let's get to the Philadelphia Union NYCFC. About Saturday, we started getting to the point of, uh-oh, Sounds like a lot of union players are going to be out for this game, and it got real worrying. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, people, you know, on Friday trying to find out who was training because they couldn't train on Friday. Um, or they couldn't train on Thursday. They could train on Friday, something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it got to the point of 11 players being out kevin kincaid of crossing broad on uh crossingbroad.com they're a uh a uh a philadelphia blog it sounds like 11 players were forced into health and safety protocol were unavailable and included 75 percent of their defense and their goalkeeper um he talked to a few stories and figured out that there's a few things that led to this there were staffers who also tested positive. One of the possible sources is a player significant another. A second player was in contact with a family member who traveled from the uh, from overseas to the U.S. And it seems like a lot of people are really putting stock in the Olivier Ambazio uh, thing, but that doesn't seem to really make any sense because it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up timeline wise mm-hmm. uh, for when that would have happened because he missed. The first two games of the playoffs, he was back for this game. So I guess technically he could have, but you know they came back on the twentieth. I think he would have already they would have already have probably been testing positive and would have missed the Nashville game. I think so. It's a little tough to swallow at this point with how good of a run that they were having, and you know the penalties against Nashville, and then having the chance to have a game at home without Castellanos on NYCFC, it really felt like it was building to something. And you know, something like this happened, you know, there's nothing to really even blame it on. It's just, it's just bad luck. uh, When you look at it this way, I do think going forward, the protocols are going to have to change, right? Like if we're going to keep talking about a new normal or that COVID isn't going away, yeah, you got to do a better job. Then we need to start changing some of this stuff. If they are vaccinated, which the union are 100% vaccinated, if they're vaccinated, if they're asymptomatic, at that point, it's on the other team for not being vaccinated. I don't know. I feel like we're getting punished for being fully vaccinated while it's like, well, you can't play against them because maybe they're not. Like, you know, and that you could spread it and get it even worse. And I people can pass it while they are vaccinated. My point being is the effects are usually lessened due to the vaccination. So there wouldn't really be as much of a significant sickness. Um, I don't know. I think going forward, we, we got to start looking at in all of the sports. Okay. If they're vaccinated, we're going to have to start coming up with some different rules 
because, uh, you know, unfortunately the vaccine is, I mean, fortunately the vaccine is available for really right now, whoever wants it. So if at that point they're not taking it, they're not going to, they're probably not ever going to take it. And at this point, the leagues themselves, like NBA, NFL, I think MLS, MLB, they're like 90 some percent vaccinated. The protocols are going to have to change. We can't, like, if it's not going away, there's going to be a new variant. We just learned about Omicron. If there's going to be a new variant next year as well, then things are going to have to be reassessed on what it looks like next year. I, I, and while I don't think the Ambazio thing really affected it, there is the issue right now with the pandemic and having the FIFA calendar, having the breaks, and I'm fine with that. That's the, They have to get these qualifiers in. But maybe not scheduling where as soon as the qualifiers are over, it's playoff time. Like it, that's what I think really stretches because you know, these players were going to like South Africa, which is you know huge with the Omicron variant right now, and you know, having all of that stuff and like the thought of, well, they're not gonna bring it back. Well, why wouldn't they bring it back? So then you're missing some of your key players for playoff games. Seattle had some of the same problems with some of their players that are um that were in the Africa qualifiers and it just becomes a little messy. Um, it killed momentum. I think going from decision day to, to the um, from decision day to the playoffs, it gave the revs too long of a layoff. And then you have the issues with the, with the COVID stuff. So I think there is, you know, th- there's nothing to be super upset with here in my opinion. You know, I saw people jumping the gun last night and saying that Garber took the oil money from NYCFC to get them into a final. And no, he would do that every year if that was the thing, right? I mean, it's just stupid. Um, especially, and I learned this too, it's always Philadelphia fans. I'm sorry, I'm a Philadelphia Union fan, but I'm not a Philly fan for any other sports. But it always seems to be the one uh, Philly fans that think that they're getting uh screwed or that the league is against them they're not uh you know they probably loved having it here instead of a stupid baseball stadium um and having the sons have been there and knowing that they were gonna have this thing but i think the biggest heartbreak about it is never never knowing how the game could have went with those 11 healthy players. I think he makes subs earlier. The fact that Aronson doesn't see the pitch until, you know, five minutes before the end of the game sucks. Um, I think we would have seen subs earlier. I think he was worried that if he makes the subs too soon and they go extra time, then he's burning more legs. So he's just trying to get to, you know, extra time. I think if you have more people on your bench, and your main starters there, you're like, okay, I can bring in some new feet and not lose as much quality as I'm going to lose. You know, when you have to sign three youth squad players the day before the game to make sure you have enough players to play, that kind of puts you in a position of, I don't really want to put them out on the field because I'm a little worried about how they're going to do first minute, their first pro game, you know, playoff Eastern Conference final. And I do want to just say, for Aurelian Collin, who hadn't played anything but like two minutes of game time in the last two years, he was phenomenal. He really laid out there. He played all 90 minutes. He was fantastic. Uh, you know, he was he was great. He was exactly a professional, exactly what I expected him to be. 
And uh, it's unfortunate it ends here for the Union, but uh, NYCFC get their first trophy. Yeah, and, and I mean, credit to the Union. They, they played, uh, honestly, for 60 to 70 minutes. I thought they were the better team. They kept NYCFC, a, a team that should have, with the with the roster changes and the lineup changes that the Union had to make and not playing without, you know, playing without probably one of the best keepers that we've had in MLS and Andre Blake. You know, not having that fortress back there and that wall, like you said, playing with a guy that hadn't played in, you know, over a couple of minutes in the last two years uh, and having to rely on Colin to, to step in and play in those important roles and then also relying on some of the kids that had to play. So, again, I think it's a credit to – one, it's a testament to how good Jim Curtin really is as a coach. Uh, if you're still sitting there currently uh, deciding whether Jim Curtin is uh, of the quality that he should be uh, for Europe – I think you can stop questioning that. I think eventually that is his move, and I think that is a dream of his to eventually pursue those uh, ambitious goals that he has, and I think that he has every right to do so. And, and and this shows that this is that game that I think, you know, when you look back on it as a Union fan, and I'm Jordan, you're a Union fan, and seeing what Todd was putting out there in a lot of Union fans is that they were proud of the effort. It And, you know, it, it, you can't blame MLS. Um, and we're in unprecedented times everybody's struggling with this pandemic. Everybody's trying to cope with it. I do agree with you, Jordan. I think they've got to come up with, you know, you've got, we are a year out from a world cup. You have got to figure something out because something happens in world cup where it breaks out. Then you're going to have the same situation. Could you imagine if this was on a world cup stage, Jordan, or like if this was champions league final and you're, you're having, you know, some of these bigger leagues or bigger money's being thrown in. I mean, the world would explode uh, if this was World Cup, if, if you got up to that stage and you were in the, you know, the, the semifinals and, you know, Portugal goes down or if they ever make it, uh, or Belgium or somebody goes down because 11 other players, uh, you know, can't make the game. And and you've got to understand that TV, you can't just move games because the TV rights ESPN would never have allowed it. Um, That's what I wanted to talk too about money. too. I, even if it's the Super, everybody be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody was like, if it's the Super Bowl and Tom Brady got COVID, they wouldn't postpone. No, they already had all the hotels booked. They already have all this stuff booked for the. They already have the TV. They already have the ad time sold. There's no way, even if it's the Super Bowl, that this gets yeah. postponed because there's too much money involved as it is. There's TV contracts. There's ad money. There's all this stuff going on. Uh, that creates a whole, you know, like it could be, we, we've seen it for regular season games get postponed for like NFL before or, um, but the thing about NFL, if a regular season game gets postponed, they have like another three at 1 PM anyway. Right. So you're watching something anyway, this was the only Eastern conference. And then where you play, do you hope that the next day they're all better? Do you hope they don't test positive on Monday? You play it Monday. You can't move MLS cup final. You could potentially move this game, the Eastern Conference Final, to Monday or Tuesday and then still have the final on Saturday. But if you're talking about postponing in a week, then that moves MLS Cup Final a week, and then it moves the expansion draft a week, and it moves the regular draft a week, because then everything is going to start getting moved back. And you can't do that. It's just they already laid out their postseason schedule. They've already done this stuff. They had enough players to play the game. It's enough whining about it. There's no way this was ever going to get postponed. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be interesting. They've got a year to figure it out. Uh, and and we're hoping as Omicron comes out that it is taking that lesser, weaker variant 
and we hope that it's starting to kind of come out. But I think, Jordan, you're right. It's going to be something we're dealing with all the time now. So I think that they got to sit down and at least go through the protocols. Like, you know, if you can provide three or four tests in a row that are negative, then chances are you can play without infecting somebody else. Like, I think there's got to be some kind of protocol. And you would really like to understand. And I think that's what sucks because it is a personal business. It, you know, this shouldn't be out there in the open, but it, it should be the league allowing its players and players allowing the league to know, okay, we were in the film room together for maybe 20 minutes and then, you know, test those two and keep those two away. It, it is, it would be interesting to see because when they did contract contact tracing, what exactly were they tracing? You know, what were they sitting next to each other on the plane? Were they on each other bus? Were they in the training Academy? Were they in the same locker room? Like what was it that they, I mean, not all these guys tested positive. There's no way. Like that would have been, I can't imagine. Like I can't imagine that this was an accurate depiction of what was really going on in the outbreak with the union. Yeah, I, I would think the same. I don't think that this is um, all of them testing positive. I do think it's probably, I think it's probably, you know, maybe one or two and then the rest were nearby or, or something, you know. All right, let's let's look ahead to Portland versus NYCFC. This game is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have Timber Joey. We're going to have uh, it playing on beautiful Providence Park. Um, really looking forward to how this game is going to go. But I want to get your predictions. We're going to start looking at some predictions for how this uh, final is going to go. Now, we both said... <laughs> Some different. I think you said Union versus RSL, and I think I said RSL versus the versus uh, NYCFC. So we were wrong, and we apologize for that because um, it is going to be Portland versus NYCFC, December eleventh at three p.m. on ABC. So. I want to get your thoughts, Logan, on how you see this shaking out and a scoreline. Yeah, so NYCFC has, uh, you know, I, I saw them play early on because I had season tickets here to Orlando City, and I saw them play early on, and they were playing extremely well. Um, they weren't getting results, but I, they were defending really well. Uh, I think it was actually during one of their uh, like kind of hot streaks. It was earlier on in the season. Um, and I thought that they looked like a really competitive team. Uh, and this is back when, you know, they, they had guys healthy. Um, and I think a lot of people forget Tanner Holmes not healthy. He's not been playing, um, which was a huge hit. Probably their best player, one of their best players, uh, arguably. Um, they've won the last two games uh, basically without uh, uh, Tati Castellanos uh, in the mix. Um you know, losing him to that red card and then having to beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia without uh, Tati, even though um, circumstances were a little bit different. Um, Tavon Grace played really well. Jesus Medina has played well this season. Um, Maxi uh, Morales at times has looked really good. Uh, and I do think that eventually they can get more out of that position, whether they move forward or try to get more out of him in that role. Um, and then, you know, Sands has played extremely well. As, uh, Sean Johnson is a solid back uh, back there in, in, the, in between the posts. Portland having missed Eric Williamson all season pretty much. 
uh, again, without Diego Valeri uh, involved at all. But then you have Yimmy Chara, you have Diego Chara playing. And when you when you have guys like that, it, it's really hard to beat them. Um, if Sebastian Blanco is healthy, any form of Sebastian Blanco, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever he plays, maybe gets in the full 90. It's going to be a good game. I, I think it'll be... I think it'll be a really tightly contested. I think it's going to be kind of like this New England game that we just saw. I'm hoping for something like this because I do hope it's entertaining and interesting. I do think it's going to be that way just because I think NYCFC, uh, I think, can control the midfield pretty well, and they do like to possess the ball. Portland is going to try to smack you in the mouth and get out on the counter and, and kind of get in those wide spaces and create. Uh, they rely heavily on their midfield to get out in those spaces. So I do. I, I do. I think that it'll be an interesting mix of two teams uh, – uh, both good coaches and Gio Savarisi. And then you've got um, Ryan Dyla, who has been a phenomenal coach this season, I think uh, was overlooked because of all the good coaches that we've had this season. Jordan, I think after all that long-winded stuff, it's tough, but I, I don't see NYCFC going into Providence Park and beating the Timbers. I just don't see that it's going to happen. I think that when you look at – when you look at uh, – you know, a, a team that has been competitive all season. I think Portland has been um, phenomenal in what they've do, what they've done. Uh, again, finishing in those uh, in the spot that they did and being able to kind of pull themselves up out of it and compete in the playoffs and get to this final spot in the playoffs against an NYCF team that maybe has been seen as overachieving. And many thought that they were dead in the water. I, I think uh, you and I had thought that um, when we were talking. It was back when we were looking at Atlanta um, and talking about the fact that NYCFC was charging forward and trying to get back into that playoff hunt and ended up getting into one of the top four spots in the East. Um, it, it really did kind of show just how good I think that this NYCFC team is. But that being said, I'm not sure that NYCFC has enough to win at Providence Park and how hard it is to win in the Cascadia uh, in the weather that they're playing in and uh, I, I guess the circumstances that they're going to be playing in, I think that Portland's easily got the better opportunity to win this game. Um, and I just don't think that NYCFC are going to have much of a chance. So I'm going to say with that long winded thing, I'm going to say Portland, I'm going to say Portland win this two to one. Uh, and I'm going to go as far as saying that it's a, like a last 10 minute goal for Portland to seal the deal uh, and bring home Portland uh, an MLS Cup that they're dying to get. So, yeah, I'm going to go MLS uh, Cup winners, Portland Timbers, um, since we picked them for the Supporter Shield. And, uh, so. I have uh, Timbers winning 3-2. to two. I have a very intense, fun game for a final here. I think maybe it'll be like a 3-1, seems to be comfortable type of win, and then NYCFC scores kind of late and then it's like uh-oh will portland hang on and then they will and they'll win their second ever mls cup their second trophy in two years with the uh mls is back and uh send valeri out on a high note so that is what i think is been um and what i hope to happen <laughs> but um yeah, I guess it, that's about it, right? I, mean, I don't think we have anything else to really yeah, I think that's it. talk about here. So if you want to give us a follow, you can reach us on Stateside 
on Twitter uh, at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, and email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. I got to tell you a funny story after this. But that about wraps us up. Thank you for watching, and we'll catch you after MLS's Cup. Uh, MLS's Cup. We'll t- talk to you after MLS Cup. Next week, we'll break down what happened, why Portland won, why NYCFC lost, and then we'll go into previewing expansion draft type stuff and all that fun stuff. So thank you for watching and enjoy MLS Cup Final. Jordan, I really hope that uh, Timber Jim doesn't cut me down because I'm a stump. It's Timber Joey. Tomorrow, throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to stoppage time soccer show we hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stoppage time soccer show have a good one